Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And as we do, let's pray. God, we thank you that you've given us your word. I pray this morning that it will come alive. God, let it be a living word to us today. And I pray that through this time and our time in the book of Acts and the time in this, in this series that we're doing, that you'll help us to understand your truths better this morning, to, uh, to know you, to understand your truths, to be changed by you through your word. Bless our time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When the day of Pentecost, starting in verse 1, and, and I was thinking, you know, Pentecost is, you know, we're getting so close to Easter. Now we're on the front side of Easter. And so, you know, I could have waited to do this at Pentecost, but, but then I don't know what I'd do for the next seven weeks. Um, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each, one, each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's all we're going to cover this morning. In fact, that's all we're going to cover for uh, the next few weeks in the book of Acts. We're going to begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. And remember the setup is that Jesus, before he ascended, he told the disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, and that he would send the Holy Spirit to them. Now, they knew of, of the Spirit of God to some degree. The Spirit of God had been present in all the portions of their life. The Spirit of God in Genesis hovered above the waters. The Spirit of God came upon different prophets and people, and they were able to do great things through the power of the Spirit of God. So they weren't, they weren't uh, unfamiliar completely with the idea of the Spirit of God. But what, what's about to happen is they had no really understanding or way to grasp what Jesus was telling them. He says, go and wait until you're endued with power from on high and you will be my witnesses and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is what the scriptures say. And so here they are. They've been waiting. They've been waiting. It's the day of Pentecost. They're praying. They've been waiting and praying for 10 days um, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And finally on the day of Pentecost, which was the first fruits, remember the feast of the first fruits, And this is wonderful because we're about to see the first fruits of the church of Jesus Christ. The church is born right here as the Holy Spirit comes down and baptizes these believers. They speak in tongues. And and we're going to read, as we read further, they find out that people hear in their own language them glorifying God. So what is this Holy Spirit? This morning we're going to start a series. You say, well, we're already in a series. We're going to start a series within the series that we've started a few weeks ago. We're going to start a series about the Holy Spirit because the book of Acts, as I said at the beginning of the book of Acts, really a great name for the book of Acts, the whole name is the Acts of the Apostles. I think, I think honestly, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because this is what's, what we see really happening in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit is on the scene. And so over the course of this mini-series, we're going to talk about the who's, what's, why's, and how's of the Holy Spirit. The who, who, what he is, who he is, how he comes, how he works, why he came. We're going to talk about being spirit-filled. We're going to talk about um, possessing the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the difference there. We're going to talk about the works of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are available to believers who are spirit-filled. We're going to talk about being spirit-filled. 
prayerfully as we go through this. And we're not going to go necessarily three or four weeks in a row. We're going to do a few weeks, and then we'll, we'll get on with different parts of the book of Acts. And as we come to different parts of the book of Acts, as we see the Holy Spirit doing different things, we'll cover more parts of, of what this Holy Spirit baptism, what the power of the Holy Spirit means. And so prayerfully at the end, and, and really this is always our prayer, we'll come away not only with a scriptural understanding of the Holy Spirit, because we need to have a scriptural understanding of this Holy Spirit, but also with a hunger to know God more intimately, to be continually filled with His Holy Spirit. Because we don't just want to know about God. We don't just want to know about the Holy Spirit. We want to know Him intimately, personally. And really, we want to be filled with Him on a daily basis, not just, and we're going to talk about that, that, that we can actually, not can, but should be filled with the Holy Spirit daily, and it, it's a continual thing. Um, prayerfully, we'll, we'll all be changed with an encounter with Him. And you know, the, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit is so often misunderstood in the church. In fact, different denominations have been built because of their, their own understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's disagreed upon and sadly argued about among Christians who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And over the centuries, there's been um, groups that have, have, have you know, tried to declare things, and we'll talk, cover that in a little bit, that the Holy Spirit was more like a force. And we're going to talk about, about that in just a minute. Um, and that this morning, that's not my goal is to, to bring you arguments, but I want to bring a, a teaching, and I pray that it's clear. Preaching what the scriptures teach us about the Holy Spirit, not just my opinion. But, but what I believe, what the scriptures teach us. And so, um, but I encourage you to be like the Bereans. You want to know who the Bereans were? They're the people who own the bookstores. <laughs> the Bereans were those that Paul, he, he, he honored the Bereans because he said that they would listen to the word and go and check to make sure that what they said was of the scriptures. So they were on their own. This is not only just coming to you believe whatever the guy says up front. We need to be busy reading the scriptures ourselves and making sure, is this the word of God? And so I encourage you to be, to be reading the scriptures yourself, reading the book of Acts, just, just be getting into that. And so, um, so we're going to present some, some of these things this morning. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit. And prayerfully, we're going to be changed to be more like him and be filled with him through this encounter with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Are you ready? Yes. I hope you've, you know, this, this morning, I, I am a preacher-teacher guy. Sometimes I preach, sometimes I kind of teach. And this is really kind of more of a teaching, and I'll, I'm going to try to keep it that way because I've got a lot of information that I want to get. And so if you're taking notes, it's great. Uh, if, if we want to make sure the recording has got good levels, not too big, nice levels, so you can go and listen to this online. Are we good with recording? Awesome. It's not a three-part message. It's, you know, I don't know, 27-part message. Let's start with this. What is the Holy Spirit? I'm saying what first, okay? When we talk about the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about a force or a wind. And we're also, uh, we're not talking about a vibe. Oh, you kind of, ooh, or feeling. You know, there's a lot of things that people talk about when they talk about Spirit. We're also not talking about um, determination, or, or uh, um, courage, you know, like, well, but man, he has a lot of spirit, you know, spunk sometimes could be put in there. Oh, he's got a lot of spunk. He's got a lot of spirit. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. And we need to really get that so that we understand we're talking about the spirit, that we're not just talking about feelings. I've been in services before where I felt a lot of things, emotional things, and a wow, but the spirit wasn't there. 
I've also been in services where the Spirit of God was moving, but I didn't necessarily have those same feelings. So we, we don't judge the Holy Spirit by feelings because the Holy Spirit is not an id. It's not a vibe, a feeling, emotion. It's not courage and determination. It's not a force. It's not a wind. Even though the word for spirit in the Bible is, can be translated wind. We're going to talk about why it's not just a wind. If you've, if, if you've been in church long, you know that the, the word for spirit is pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A, and if you know, you know kind of your Latin and Greek, you go, yeah, well, isn't pneuma like air, pneumatic? Yes, it's, it's wind, but that is not what the Holy Spirit is. But we, like the wind, we can't see the Holy Spirit until he's living in you, and then I can see him. If he's living in me, you can see the Holy Spirit because he's living inside of me. So the, the thing that he has close with the, the wind is we don't know where it comes from. Last night, I live in, I live in Lake Williams. Was it windy everywhere else? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I've been told that we have a really windy valley up there, and it was just shaking the house at different times, and I just thought, the, the wind is just weird. I mean, you ever think about that? I mean, the, the weather guy says, oh, the, it's going to be windy. And it's like, well, man, where are these winds coming from? How far do they take to get here? Where are they going? What are they doing? I mean, if you ever, I mean, they're pretty amazing winds are. I mean, just a couple days ago, it was warm temperatures. And then the clouds come in, everything changes. And now we've got these bursts of wind that are rocking our house. I mean, some of them are really big. And so the, you know, we don't know where it comes from, but we know it exists, the wind. Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit, we can't see, but we know it exists. So he, um, we know it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a force, it's not a wind. In fact, it is not an it. Okay? So I've been saying it because I wanted to kind of draw that for a moment. It is not an it. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is a person. And right there we're going, okay. How do you figure, Pastor? Well, what do you mean? It's... The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is a person with a personality, and He is part of the Trinity of God. But let me give us some scriptures, if you're taking notes. Let's talk about what the, some of the things that the Bible talks about, uh, the Spirit of God. Now, when we read these scriptures, what, the first couple ones I'm going to read, it's using a pronoun here. And it says, John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And I'm just going to take part, parts of both of those verses. It says, when He... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. Verse 14 says, He will bring glory to me. It doesn't say it. It will come, and it will bring glory, and it will do this. It's He. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13. You were marked in Him. Now, that the first Him is Jesus. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Who is a deposit? English grammar, same thing in the Greek. It's going to be the same thing. If it was an it, it would be which? Right? Remember your grammar? Not a who. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? 1 Corinthians 2 says that the Spirit, the Spirit knows the thoughts of God. So what is this? So now we've got a who who now has thoughts. So he, this is a person. It's a person with a personality. He knows how to think. The Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. It says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, but one, verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So he actually has a will. It's his own will, and he does things according to his will because he is a he. 
He is a person. He's part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. Um, a couple others. Uh, and I'll go through these kind of quick. and I don't want to take too much time because I'm only on page 3 of 7. In Acts chapter 13, it says that he speaks. In John chapter 15, it says that he testifies. In John chapter 14, he teaches all things, which if he, has, if he can teach us all things, he must know all things, which if he knows all things, that makes him omniscient. We're going to get into that in a minute. In uh, Romans chapter 8, it says that he intercedes for us. In Acts chapter 20, this is a great chapter. I'm going to read that. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit calls people and anoints them, uh, ordains them into a ministry. That's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit. Some of these things, we would, have re- we would have just allowed that to be God only. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. Without sounding sacrilegious, I wish we ha- he had a name. We call God, God. We call Jesus, Jesus. But Holy Spirit, we say the Holy Spirit. That article at the front, the, doesn't help us to understand that he's a person. Because we don't call him that. So, so I'm, I'm trying to actually say things like Holy Spirit and call him Holy Spirit. He's also, though, in the Bible referred to as the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Life. And so he is the Spirit of God. So that's, that's um, kind of who he is, what he is, who he is. Who is this Holy Spirit? This is so important to us. And this is going to be... Uh, uh, you know, this is just going to be renew and review for so many of us in here. But hopefully through this time we'll get a little bit stronger uh, understanding with scriptures of why we believe this. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Godhead. So uh, the Trinity, I'm not going to go too far into the Trinity because that's a huge long message in itself. We had a great conversation in our life group this week about the Trinity and, and Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. But he's the third person of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity, which makes him... Listen to this, co-equal with the Father and the Son. He's co-equal. He's not less than the Father. He's not less than the Son because they are the Trinity. Together, the three persons of the Trinity make up God. And right there, your transistors are blowing because mine are too. How does this exactly work? We see the scriptural evidence that this has to be the case in the Bible. This is the whole doctrine of the Trinity, which separates you know, the Christian church from a lot of other churches. We've, been, we've actually had the doctrine laid out and, and established. It's been in, it was in the Bible, but they actually put it to words in the, in the fourth century, in the Nicene Creeds, when they, when they actually put it out to understand that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all together, all equal. The Holy Spirit would be worshipped. And so this is not something new. The Trinity, the idea of the Trinity, the idea of the Trinity, um, we finally, we, we understood from the very beginning, Jesus was God. And so we're not going to go too far into that. If you want to talk about the Trinity more, we can do that. You can, you, we can go out to just a meal or something. We can talk about that. We can have Bible studies on it. It's a, it's a great thought. So he is part of this Trinity. Um, let me give you a couple parts of this. He was there at the creation. He was there at creation. He says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was present and active in Jesus coming to earth. It says that, that Mary would be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Throughout the Old Testament, this is where, where, where this might be kind of revelation to, to you, as, as it even was to me as I was understanding this, you know, when I would first start hearing teachings about this. When you hear the Spirit of God came upon David and the Spirit of God, that's the Spirit of God. This is Holy Spirit. Oh, so do we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? All over the place. All over the place. The Spirit of God is coming down. Now you, and so um, we, we even see um, Jesus in the Old Testament. And Joshua, when the captain of the Lord's host, we, we cover this in the book of Joshua when he came up, that was not an angel. That was Jesus. If you go there, you can go even go back and listen to the message when we get on, on that, on Joshua, I think it was chapter 5. Um, so he's part of the Trinity. Um, he, he was present at the baptism of Jesus. Now this is a great picture of the, of the Trinity. I'm, I'm pulling something from later part of the notes. Here Jesus is, it's the beginning of his ministry. He finds John the Baptist, and he goes into the water, and John's going to baptize him. What happens? The Spirit descends, you see Jesus, and you hear God. But what you, you hear the Father. You hear the Father, behold my Son. Okay, Father, Son, Spirit. Three different persons, each doing their own thing, present at the same location, at the same moment. This isn't a schizophrenic guy who's got three um, personalities. It's more than a personality. That's, uh, that's kind of important. I mean, he's not just, you know, split personalities. Like, well, sometimes I'm like this and sometimes I'm like this. You know, I mean, he's got, it's three persons of the Godhead in one. Ooh, that's really hard. That, that's, that's hard. The closest thing I've found is, we do it real quick, H2O. H2O, not water, H2O. What are, the th- what are the three forms of H2O, you science students? Yeah, yeah, you get gas, solid, and liquid. That's the, you're right, gas, solid, and liquid. I've, I've done this for the kids' ministry. I could have done it here. Take an ice cube, heat up a pot. Don't, like, heat it up, get it really hot already. Put your ice cube in the pot. Immediately, it starts to melt. There's water in the pot. Immediately, that wa- some of the water starts to turn into steam, but there's still an ice cube in it. Three forms of H2O in the same exact place at the same exact time, each doing different things. It's the closest thing we can get because we're finite, but the scriptures teach it very well. Part of the Trinity, is he really God? Let me give you a, a, a couple things. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. let's go there real quick. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. We've, we know that. We do that. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does that mean? Go down to Butcher Block and buy some materials. Put it in the name of Gary, Bob, and Greg. The name? You mean the names, don't you? Because they're three names. Baptize them in, them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. One name, three things. It wasn't the names of the Father. And of the, or and in the name of the Son, and in the name of Jesus. It was the name of. It's important to kind of see that. What if we put something else in there? Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Father Abraham. Would, would you want to be baptized under that one? That goes to, we kind of go, you can't do that. Father, Son, and Abraham? Have a Father, Son, and David? You know, no, why? See, if the Holy Spirit's just a created being that's less than, then it can be the same as any angel. How about the name of Father, Son, and Gabriel? See, there's something is we go, no, absolutely not. So, right, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, co-equal part of. Okay, John 15, verse 26. 
But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. I'm going to pray. The Bible says, John chapter 14, I believe it is. John, I'll pray the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit. The three, they're one. The separate identities, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not three different names for the same person. So the question is, is so he's part of the Trinity. Is he God? Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Is Holy Spirit God? This is, this is see, th- what we're doing is we're not just saying, well, yeah, I believe that. We're also, we're putting down a scriptural reasoning for the belief. The Bible says to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you. So this is part of the thing. We're learning the scriptural reasons for this. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira's wife lying about the, the money that they were going to give. And, uh, oh yeah, that reminds me, at the end we'll take an offering. You can, <laughs> if the sermon's any good, you can give in the offering. Ananias chapter, or, uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it says this. It says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. That's what it says right there. You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. But wait, didn't verse 3 say you've lied to the Holy Spirit? How is that? Because it's the same. Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the Trinity. It's the three in one. 2 Corinthians 3 says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Does it get more plain than that? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Now the Lord is the Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 9, if you're taking notes, it says that He is the eternal Spirit. The eternal Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the eternal Spirit. Well, the only thing that is eternal is God. Everything else is created. So He's eternal. We already covered that He was omniscient. He's omnipresent. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your Spirit? If I ascend, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He even creates. See, isn't God the creator? Job 33, 4, that says, The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God hath made me. See, He's a creator. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's eternal. Holy Spirit is a person, and He is God, along with Jesus, who is God, and the Father, who is God. And so we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit co-equal in the Trinity because all three of them are God. That's our Holy Spirit. So Jesus, Jesus comes to earth, was born of, born of, of a virgin, lived a sinless life. We know the story. We're going to be rehearsing it over this next few weeks watching movies hopefully like The Son of God and The Passion of the Christ and really understanding what what he did for us. He came, he conquered all of these things, he gave the disciples the mandate to go and spread the gospel. He promised the disciples, I will be with you forever. And then he says, yeah, but I'm leaving. But he says, but you need to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, this is Jesus' plan. It wasn't, it wasn't done. Now, Jesus, while he walked on the earth, he gave up. He emptied himself, and he gave up some of these things. He, did not, he was not om- Jesus now, not God. Jesus was not omnipresent as he walked on this earth. I mean, he made pretty good time. I mean, he walked on water. 
And he could have, you know, we, we know that other people were translated. I mean, they made good time, but he was not omnipresent. He was only in one place at a time. And his disciples were with him. He was with his disciples. Jesus is about to go to the Father, and he knows that in order for him to stay with his disciples, because remember, he is God, then he needs to send the Holy Spirit to be God with the disciples. The Holy Spirit was already at work in the world. We saw that in the Old Testament. We know that. He's part of the Godhead in creation. The Spirit of the living God was upon him, the Bible says. Um, but, and so we know that, that um, the Holy Spirit is part of, the, part of the Godhead. Even in the name that they call him, Elohim is plural. The word Elohim, which is the name for God, is plural. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy Elohim is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord... Your plural God is one God. Huh? Oh, we're seeing it. We see it. It was there the whole time. This isn't a doctrine made up by man. It was there. So God, the Trinity, has always been eternal, not created. We see all three, Father, Son, and Spirit, active throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Son comes for a very specific work and purpose. Jesus came into the world as a man, being in very nature God, the Scriptures say in Philippians, being in very nature God, made himself nothing, of no reputation. He came in the likeness of man and became obedient to death. Why? So that we might live. He, Jesus came for a very special and specific work, to forgive us of our sins. He came to be a propitiation for our sins, to cover our sins, to forgive us. The Son of Man, the Bible says, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said, I came to give him life and life abundantly. These are the purposes that Jesus came. So why the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus pray for the Father to give the Holy Spirit? Like I just said, while he was on earth, Jesus wasn't omnipresent. He wasn't everywhere at once. He walked and he talked, he taught, he healed, he loved, he exhorted. He did all of these things, but he did it from one place at one time. That's what Jesus did. And so he, knowing that the church, he was launching the church, he says, I need to be in them and with them wherever they go. I'm going to send Holy Spirit to live in them. The Spirit of God descended on Jesus and the Spirit of God needs to descend upon us. So Jesus called his disciples. He taught them, spent three years with them, and he died. He told his disciples some really important things. One, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yet he was, just, he was about to do just that. He said to them, I won't leave you as orphans. And in John 14, he says, speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this, You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He lives with you now and later will be in you. God lives with you but can live in you. He knew that each of us, his, his apostles, we're going to see this in the book of Acts. The infilling of the Holy Spirit upon Peter and all the disciples is what gave them power and authority and ability to go and do what Jesus said to do. He knew that we would need power to live our lives here on earth. He knew that without the Holy Spirit, we would be lost. We wouldn't be able to reach the lost. We can't be more than conquerors without the Holy Spirit. We would need more than just teaching and hanging out with Jesus. If you think about it, they had teaching in the Old Testament. What did they do with it? Made laws. Tried to live by them and failed. How would it be any different with Jesus? So Jesus comes... 
and gives us more teaching and then leaves us alone, we would do the same thing. And that's what many of us do. We take the laws, the written words of Jesus, and we try to do them and apply them, but we don't live under the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit of God is what's come to give us power to be victorious in every part of our life. And over the next course of the study, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're going to realize that He can be grieved and that we grieve Him. We can quench the Holy Spirit. See, He's always with us, but we don't always allow Him to use us. We don't always submit to Him. We quench Him. We grieve Him. The Holy Spirit came to empower us to live godly lives and to do that which He called us to do. And I know that myself and probably most of us in this room, all of us in this room at times, struggle to live for God. And that's because we're doing it on our own strength. But if we will be filled with the Holy Spirit, if He'll be in us, and we will be continually filled by His presence, we'll become more than conquerors. We'll have that life, and we'll have the power to evangelize. Even this little, little funny video that we watched there about telling the neighbor, oh, don't you think uh, my wife and I might want to hear this good news? You know, convicting to us. We, some of you, your palms were getting sweaty when you thought about telling your neighbor inviting them to church. You're going, oh, not this little gray duck. I'm not going to do that. But the Holy Spirit of God can turn you into something you have no idea. He turned Peter into the one who followed Jesus for three years, the one who said, I don't know him, into the one who stands up and preaches, and 3,000 people are saved, and just a couple days later is actually in the temple court saying, you crucified Jesus, but he rose from the dead. What happened? Holy Spirit. God in us is able to do far more than we can ever do on our own. He can do far more than we can think, imagine. We need this Holy Spirit. He is, he is part of the Trinity. He is God, and He has something for us. We're going to see in here, and we need to get into our own lives, have Him fill us with His presence, and give Him that permission to live in and through us, and that's going to be a hard part. We're not going to cover that today. because what? So that's why God and Jesus would no longer walk with us. He would live in us not just walk with us. God knew we couldn't do it on our own. His teachings aren't enough. When Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he did mean it because he sent us the Holy Spirit. And as believers full of the Holy Spirit, God lives in us. If that's the case, if God lives in us, who believes that God lives in us? Some of you are going, wow. I mean, right there, some of us are going, wait a second. You mean I took God there last night? If that's the case then you will never be closer to God. You will not be closer to God in heaven than you are now. God lives in you. And you go, well, I don't feel like that. Well, where's the problem? It lies in us and allowing Him to have His way in us. God lives in us when we're full of the Holy Spirit. We'll get into the details as we go into the weeks to come. But right now, let's just ask God. Let's pray. God, this morning, we start this journey we continue this journey. As we take another step in our journey, God, we desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So God, fill us with your Holy Spirit and dwell us. God, I pray that you would help us not to quench the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would submit our life to you. We'd open up our, our, our life and our mind, our ears to hear your voice as the Holy Spirit speaks to us.
and leads us into truth, leads us into the places and the things that you have for us. God, we want to be, be more than we are. And we know that you've called us to be more and you've empowered us to be more and you died for us to be more. God, we thank you for sending the Son, Jesus, to die for our sin, sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Fill us, empower us today and continue to do so. In the name of Jesus, amen.